And so you've worked uh, on the owner side for quite a t- quite some time, Tim. Yes. And for projects, I love that you've got some span from the, you know, the small jobs to the very large jobs. What is something that surprises you about the consistency and the challenges you see from the small to the big? Like, what's something that you always find? It's the people. Um, the The hard part about I tell my project managers doesn't matter what the project is. Uh, um, the projects are they're not, but I say they're all the same. You know, if you have a new construction out of the ground and the materials are different, blah, 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 you got to go your footings and your foundations and your slab and your framing. It's once you know that, that's it's the same, but the, but the people are always different and the people can, can sometimes be very, very challenging. It could be a really small project, that's the case, or a very large project. And um, that's what's consistent. Um, you know, higher ed um, and healthcare, which I've done, I've done a lot of higher ed, I've done quite a bit of healthcare. Um, there can be some people that are, they're just challenging, they're demanding, um, they're intelligent, um, and you put it together, it can make for a long days. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tim, you're not joking. I've, I've worked some 18 hour construction days uh, with challenging people. What you described is like, you know, high demanding people, smart people, when those two things blend together, uh, it typically makes for a longer workday for sure. <laughs> exactly. And I think over the years, you know, um, I remember when I was working for, uh, for uh, I worked for, for a company called Suffolk out of here, out here in Boston, and our client was in Philadelphia, and he was, his style of leadership is not mine. Um, but the difficulty that I had was I, sometimes you got to morph your personality and leadership to that, to that client. And his was a, um, I won't use the word mean, but um, I guess I will use that. He, he, he came across in the meetings as very aggressive and he wanted me to be the same way um, and I'm not but I can pretend you know so when he was there I pretend but when he wasn't there I, I didn't do it that way and everybody everybody got windowed after a while but again it's just morphing yourself to that situation so that um, he feels respected um, you know um, as, a, as a leader of the team and I do what I got to do to make the product successful. Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem. This easy to use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French, and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, scheduling manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refine My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refine My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry and transforming its practices and culture. Its vision 
is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Team Singleton. Tim, I am honored to be a mutual friend of yours with uh, Jenny Han, the one, the only, the special Jenny Han. It's so cool to have you on the show. I've gotten to see you speak at LCI Congress last year, and I know that you're a good talker like myself. You're quick on your feet, but the more impressive thing is that you show up with a smile and a great attitude for work every day. And even when we started the show, like as, uh, as Tim was getting on, he's one of the few guests that actually cares are the audience experiences. So for those of you watching on YouTube, I just want you to know that Tim put in the extra effort to appear just perfect on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, we're going to have your full description and ways to contact you in the description notes below, ladies and gentlemen. So as always, as you're scrolling down to learn more about Tim and his background, go ahead and tap that like button and share the show with a friend, anyone who needs to hear more about the owner's experience in construction. This would be a great show for them. So do share, tap that like button. And of course, comment on the show. Tim wants to hear what you're thinking and keep the conversation going. Tim, tell the good people of the EBFC show a touch about yourself. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit. Um, I've been on the owner's side for, I don't know, I'm getting old, like 20 years. Um, I actually started as a, as a laborer uh, part-time um, when I was an undergrad. Um, a friend of my father's gave me a part-time job and I discovered um, as a laborer that um, I was studying to be a cartographer and I discovered I was making more money as a laborer than I would as I graduated to be a cartographer. And at graduation, he asked me if I wanted to go to a job on Martha's Vineyard uh, to help as kind of, kind of a, not union, but as a princess carpenter kind of thing. And I said, yes, and that got me on my way. Um, I was making, I wasn't getting rich, but I was definitely making more money than I would as a, as a cartographer. So I was like, oh, what am I gonna do? Let's stick with it. So I did, and as I earned a lot, because um, the company that I worked for, uh, general contractor, they had laborers and contractors that did uh, scope on projects that they didn't bid out. So any project that I did, I could be doing anything. I could be uh, pouring concrete, form work. I could be laboring, cleaning up. I could be doing roofs, framing, um, you name it. If that scope was missing out of of a buyout, I was doing it. And over, I don't know, four or five years, I just learned a lot. Um, either by saying, yes, I could do that when I had no idea how to do it, but I go figure it out. Or if I, with somebody that knew how to do it, they would show me, but I used to learn all these, like all these trades, I learned enough to be dangerous. Um, so that kind of rolled around, became an assistant superintendent. Um, but I knew that it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. And I always would see, you know, the owners on site and it was like, wow, what's up with that? And I was like, that's what I want to do. And I got the opportunity to get my MBA at Eisenberg School of Management, the dean of the School of Management. Um, we we're still very good friends. He was friends with a company called FRM on, on the owner side at Higher Eds. That's how this owner's thing started. In between there, I've worked as, on the car, contractor side as well, but it's almost always been on the owner side. And it's just more of the different projects that I've done, different personalities working in Massachusetts, New York City, and Philadelphia. Um, now I'm in Boston now, um, all these different cultures and unions and personalities, it's all come together. And I think I just had so many experiences. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know everything, 
but I like problems come up now. I've already done it. You know, I was like, people have an issue. They come to me now. Hey, what am I going to do? I was like, oh yeah, back in blah, blah. I got tons of stories. Yeah. And um, there's so many things I've encountered. Um, and it makes me, it's a powerful is the word, I think. It makes me strong. Um, so I, I think that I do well just from my experiences. Oh, I love that. Uh, Tim, your experience is priceless. And like I said, people, if you ever get a chance, if you see Tim's name, on any kind of presentation, you better sign up and go see him and go listen to him because you're going to learn a lot. Tim, I want to start right in with, you know, sharing a story. You've been on big projects, small projects, particularly in education and healthcare. And so many uh, mutual friends of ours love lean construction. There's a lot of lean in healthcare in particular, both on the patient care, primary responder side, as well as on the capital construction side. I'd love for you to share a story about a challenge you had on a project that you would consider lean and make sure you tell me why you think it was lean. And then, you know what, because <laughs> I know you're going to have your own version. See, he's already, if you're watching on YouTube, Tim's already laughing because he knows that that word is a trigger, especially in the Northeastern United States. Lean can sometimes be seen as equivalent to the F word, just for people that don't know. <laughs> So, so the recent project that I finished um, is a science project, and um, again, in Massachusetts, it is it's, it's a dirty word sometimes, and you, you kind of gotta say step back from that word. Sometimes don't use it. Um, you can you can you, you can do you can do it without saying it. Like uh, so, this project when I first I got hired by this college, uh, and um, if you, you probably figure it out if I'm talking about that's okay. Um, when I first got there, the you know, the contractor and designer were already on board, but the um, design had just started. So I see them at risk, um, and it was, it was just this from, from the word go. We got a designer that's trying to build Taj Mahal, and we hired him because we want Taj Mahal, but we can't afford it. And the other, the contractor is like, we want everything now so we can get going on this. And it was, it was, you know, the contracts weren't signed, the scope, the programming wasn't set, nothing was done. So you want to bring those lean tools in, into the into the process. You know, the first thing I said is, you know, what we need is a big room, not necessarily a, a, a big room, but the concept of it. <laughs> yeah. So we're all together and talking and uh, it's like, it's a fight. So we gave them the building, the contractor comes in and I said, you know, I want to build a big room. And did they do that? Halfway. So, you know, the, the project exec and the super variant offices off in the corner, you know, you know, the, the safety person's over in another corner there. They're, the junior folks, they're in the big room. So we kind of halfway got it. So, but you gotta, you gotta, um, you gotta fight that resistance. You know, you gotta come, you just gotta keep doing it. But as the process went along, you know, the architect, we have them on site, we put them in the big room. So they'd come on site and we're all together. Um, you know, it took us probably a year um, for the hostility to settle down. And I think the concept of that big room, you now we did post sessions, last planner, that kind of thing too. You just get these, all these efforts to get together. And we did a lot of things that were, I call them social, um, where we'd go off, you know, everybody go off for dinner and drop a whole lot of money, but it was still, it was worth it. So we could settle things down and just create that team environment so that um, folks understand that, you know, is it, um, I could eat, no, I call it light. Um, because we people don't like that contract in Massachusetts, but the concept of it, we got to be a team. Um, and we moved from there. It ended up being a really, really cool project. We had tons of issues, major issues, million dollar issues, um, but we worked through them as a team because we weren't pointing fingers. We we're working as a team. And I think it's just experiences over time where 
you know, I, I think, you know, when I was younger, I think that maybe, you know, when these things weren't going well, I might have put my fist on the table and say, you know, this is how we're doing it, blah, 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 blah. And some of my bosses are like that, but I knew that's not the way to go. We got to come in, we got to collaborate, we got to respect, um, we got to listen. Um, and they're all tools, and you just got to keep, keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And eventually the team comes together and um, it ends up being fun. You know, you enjoy your job and you end up um, managing the expectations of the clients. So when they walked in the door, I say this a lot, when a, when a client walks in the door, they're smiling because you were a good team, including the client. So you respect them, you understand them, you manage them, you hear, you hear them, you hear their expectations, and you manage their expectations. So when you get to that end result and they walk in the door, they go, wow, this is, this is what I wanted. So, uh, you know what I like about that story so much, Tim, is that it shows the how, and I, I can brag for you because you can't brag for yourself. You're a savvy <laughs> client you knew that uh when you assessed it right away like this just doesn't quite feel right what can we do so you you thought let me go to big room and create that environment and then that that by itself wasn't the panacea that got you what you wanted it was the consistent breaking bread multiple times how many times do you think you had to eat as a group before they started to melt a little bit and and jive together like i said it, it took at least a year. Um, I think some folks on the team got it right away, but there were a few. Um, they might not ever got it, but it's okay. But I can, you can manage that. But it, it, how many? We probably had three really good outings you know, for a meal with the majority of the team. And um, you go, you know, a nice dinner and maybe a few drinks, whatever it might be. So people are relaxed. You know, and even, you know, when I'm there and I'm talking to an APM or, or a junior super, you know, they, they know that they can talk to me, you know, I'm a person um, versus, um, there's a good, so there's a good one is um, those, those junior folks, they're at a point where um, they're going to make mistakes. And so, but we've got a team now, but now they know they can go, hey, you know what, I screwed something up. And they know that they're not going to get yelled at. They might get yelled at. But the point is, is that <laughs> I made a mistake. So my response is, isn't what the hell are you thinking? My, my response is, how are we going to take care of it? Um, and that's the that's the whole gist of the energy you want to have. So, you know, number one, people, when people make mistakes, they actually tell you because they're not afraid to. So six months from now, you don't find out that, holy crap, that was a mistake. And he didn't tell us. And now we're really in deep trouble. Um, that, that concept of the team that just morphs from those meetings where just the energy, it's smooth, you know, um, and you can, anybody can approach me and do the same thing here. Um, any of my junior PMs, they can, the doors open, they can come and start talking. Um, one of the things I talk to way too much, but the, um, one of the things I want to be able to do is if I'm working and I can't do it right now, but if I'm talking to doing something at work and, uh, you know, a junior PM comes in, I can always stop what I'm doing and listen. And that's that um, respect for people kind of feeling. And it's irritating for me sometimes. Like, oh, I'm doing it. Oh, man, I got to stop. But, out, but, but inward, I'm saying that. But out, outward, I'm saying, oh, yeah, come on and let's talk. And that's really, it's key. Uh, I shouldn't have said that because they're going to see it. Oh, they, no, it's all good. It's a, But it shows like you're flexing and you're putting, I think two things coming out there, Tim, is that one, you've got this project first thinking. It's not like, Tim Singleton's project, win or die, right? You're thinking this job, this, this has a point, this has a purpose. And you're, you're bringing that philosophy to the rest of the team. It's infectious, Tim. That's I'm, I'm thinking I totally disagree with you. You're wrong. You're wrong, Tim. You got to talk more. 
I think people need to hear you talking more. This might be the only time you hear it, Tim, today. So luckily all, for you, it's being recorded. First of all, I'm only wrong once a week, right? And I have, it's actually, it is Friday. It haven't, haven't been wrong yet. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so you got time. So I'm saying you need to talk more. Uh, it shows your philosophy and your thinking because thinking is invisible. And that approach of, you know, bringing somebody in, getting interrupted, you know, as we get up in our careers and you and I, Tim, I think we're probably close to the same age. We're not going to spoil everybody and let them know how old we are, but yeah, after a while we start it, our value becomes helping others grow and mentoring other people. And it becomes less about what we ourselves just do as a value adder. The value add is like in developing the other people. It's way more powerful. That's a force multiplier. So I absolutely love that tale. Now to follow on with that, because you mentioned like last planner system, you know, setting up a big room and some of these lean tools, what would you say in your experiences, especially being on the owner side, like what makes you gravitate towards adopting some of those methods? I, I think that uh, because they're defined, you know, um, like conditions of satisfaction or whatever, it's, it's all about the client walking. I said it earlier. It's all about the client walking in door and being happy. This is what I wanted um, and how you get there. It's uh, from the pre-design into the design. Are you a team? Um, that's 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 it. So the, the value, uh, uh, um, the definition of conditions of satisfaction, you know, value. What are you going to get out of this project? The value is what the client says. It's like this is what I wanted. Is it schedule budget? Probably not. It's is it what I wanted. It's just the the design, the program that I wanted, and then the, but you get that from the initial phases of the project as a team. You come in, you get along, you know, the, the, if CM at risk, the contractor knows his fee, it's pretty much set. Okay, put that aside. Let's, let's function as a team. The designer, same thing. Your fee is pretty much set as long as everything goes smooth. Um, let's function as a team and get along, understand what the, what the client thinks they want, um, this, hear them, make sure they know that you heard them. Um, and then discuss maybe if that program isn't isn't or expectations aren't quite right. Is it a it's a conversation? So before you start design, as your your team is talking, you're understanding, you're managing, you're saying you wanted this, but I think you want this. Let's talk about it, and you're understanding it. They're understanding it, and you move into design, and um, from that understanding, you hopefully end up with a good project. And they walk in the door and they're smiling. Oh, I love that. They're smiling. Who would you say, Tim, has been a, a good positive influence on you for deeper, further, more lean adoption? If you had to name names, who would you name? Oh, probably Nick Massey and um, Melissa um, McGowan from Haley and Aldridge. Um, yeah, I give it, I'll give them credit. I, but I, I think the, the biggest credit when I go to congresses, I've been to I've been to four. And it's, it's really funny because I go and I, and I hear the same thing over and over and over again. But the, but the strength of it is I hear the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so when I first go there, I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I didn't quite get it. And the next year you go again and you hear, not, not everything, but a lot of the things you hear are kind of the same or similar. And it just strengthens in your head because you're hearing it over and over again. And over the years, you start to use those concepts and tools um, and you understand them and it makes you makes you stronger and it makes you be it allows you to create that stronger team and uh, even you know even with the um, the contract types that are here we can still take those even if it was a, G, a GC contract it's harder but you can still to some degree ha take those tools and morph it into a team 
Yeah, I love that. That team focus and, and people, you know, Tim's reinforcing what we've seen in the literature as far as construction research for from the client's perspective. The team is one of the most important things and the single greatest factor when they're evaluating who's going to build my project, who are we going to be hanging out with for the next couple of years? It is absolutely always the team. Team is super important. So on that note, Tim, like when you're evaluating team members, especially in interviews, what are some of the things that that you're looking at or that you're you're talking to your staff? Because it's typically not just Tim and everybody else, right? It's typically an owner, especially in the large capital construction projects. It's like a committee of people. I was in an interview recently, Tim, and I, I feel like it was it was three to one. For every one person we brought to the interview, the owner had three people. <laughs> so. I think that's such a key. So when, when we do interviews, um, the client, uh, not, the, not, not me, the client, I mean the client, if, you, if you're building a, um, I don't know, uh, an, art, an art building or a building for art, the, the people that run that building, they need to be at that interview because they need to connect with, with the designer and the contractor. And I, I force that. That's the, the key to that is they come in and I, I, I do this and I, it's a secret, but I'll say it anyway. So when, when someone's speaking, I always, not always, most of the time, I will look at the other people in the room, especially the client. So if you're the contractor and you're saying, blah, 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 we do this. I look at the client and see their reaction. And I want to make sure that there's a connection or not. Um, and I want the, the client to be speaking, ask questions. But the, the really important factor is that when the client, and sometimes it's, it's, um, it's a woman, and I'll just be blunt. Um, and sometimes it's not a respect for that. And I watch when the women speaking what the reaction from the people on the whoever's being interviewed especially now even even when they're women the people that are being interviewed it happens a lot that, that you see i'm um, being half joking but you kind of get a reaction sometimes or listen little woman I, I got this let me explain it to you a lack of respect um and when they do that then i get the job um and it happens more than you think if you pay attention to it that lack of respect for the client um some people just don't get it. And if, when they don't get it, you can guarantee you're gonna have a bad project because you're gonna have a um, unhappy client from the start because they're not gonna be respected. They're not gonna be listened to. Um, their expectations aren't gonna be managed because they're not respected. So that's it's a deal breaker. Yeah. yeah, I like that, Tim. It's a deal breaker. I, I'm totally on the same page as you. And I, I think we're, we're both on the high uh, in emotional intelligence spectrum because when I'm in interviews, I almost never look at the people talking to. I'm looking at the other people and seeing how they're reacting to what they're hearing, what they're seeing. Yep. It's fascinating. So like, there, there you go. <laughs> you, know, you know what's really cool? What I do sometimes is just a table um, and you know the, the selection panel is on one side and the contractor or designer, they all sit on the other side. I sit on the same side as, a, as the people that are interviewing. I, I, I've done that regularly. And it's, it's or, or, or on the end of the table so I can see more faces. But you always want to, you got to be in a point where, you know, the contractor, they're going to, they got to show, you know, they've been practicing. They're going to say this, they're going to say that. It says they do a good job or they don't. But it's, it's not that, it's not as relevant as the faces and expressions and the energy you're going to get from the people on your side of the table. Oh, those are great insights, Tim. I appreciate you uh, lifting the, the veil so we can see into the behind the scenes of like what the selection is. And even though Tim, don't worry, even though we're telling people and they're going to watch this, they'll still mess it up because yeah, you can't, 
you can't fake that type of stuff. Like you either really respect people or you don't, you can't pretend to respect someone. It, it will not come across in a genuine way. Tim is going to bust you. <laughs> You're going to not win the job. So you, you guys, I've so many stories, but you, it's really funny because, you know, um, we're very big on diversity. You know, we expect when you're, um, other than counting percentages, we're past that, but we're, we expect that when you have a team, your, your team is, has some diversity. And when I say diversity, I'm not talking color of skin or sex. I'm talking about the diversity of their, um, of their life experiences that gives you the colors and the sex, but, um, we want to see that in all of your teams and a lot of companies fake it. So they'll bring somebody to interview um, because they, they're lacking that diversity. And that's, that's worse than not having diversity because I will call you out and uh, it happens that they'll come and that person won't have anything to say because they're not really part of the team. And it's apparent right away. And um, I will say more than once, I have actually called the person out and said, you know, um, Jane Smith, what do you do? And, oh, silence because they're like oh because they're faking it it's 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 all it's real it's real or it's not right and, and faking it we're gonna know absolutely tim's gonna find you out he's got the experience people don't don't try to play don't play contractors be prepared come real bring the real people they're gonna do it and it's gonna be a fit or it's not gonna be a fit and that's that's we want win-win solutions right tim exactly Speaking of win-win solutions, I want to ask you now projects that you consider just dashingly successful. What are some of the factors like the importance of the team, uh, like team cohesiveness, or uh, just are they just, you know, doing really well and staying on budget and schedule? What are like the critical things that you see where you're just like, wow, this team just knocked it out the park? Like, and what was it that made it, you know, that for you? It's hmm, a good question. I think that uh, one of the factors I, I kind of said it earlier is when when the when the team's successful, it's all the parties are are, are involved and are open. Like again, you know, the EPMs and the junior supers, maybe even uh, you know if, if the CM has a laborer on site, um, we're all involved and we all know each other. We know each other's names and we all have the ability to talk. Um, so if I walk the site and I do a gimba, whatever, um, and, and I don't know somebody's on site, they can come up to me and go, hey, Tim, how you doing? I can say, hey, Fred, you know, what is what are you doing there? It's that that, that concept of, um, I guess, camaraderie, I guess, and respect. Respect is great. Is it worth the word respect? I think it's huge. And you show that to, to, the, to the trades people on your on your project, your APMs. I think when it all comes together. You know, people work better, you know, they'll give you a better product, they work harder, they're, you know, they're happier, it all comes together. And in the end, you got a better product. I love that your, your, your culture building, Tim, with that type of engagement, go and walk the job. It's not all clients will actually take the time to walk their projects. And then, you know, for those that do, you can count on one hand that actually talk to the people. Now, disclaimer, clients, if you're listening, if you're out there redirecting work, because you think you know better, I'm going to be the first person to respectfully guide you back to the trailer and show you how to do a proper job walk. Because, okay. <laughs> and I know why you're laughing, Tim, because you've probably had a little heavy hand at times, or you at least know some stories, don't you? It's, it's the exact opposite. So when the, when the client goes there and they think, first of all, the client can't give direction. So you screw things up, but it's, it's the opposite. When you go there and I've done this, because I have a house and I'm always doing work on my house. Sometimes I'm joking, sometimes I'm serious. I'll see somebody doing something that I don't know how to do it. 
or maybe I do, but I'm, but I go there and say, Hey, what are you doing? And I'll stand there and I'll watch. And, he, and you know, he's like, what are you doing? What do you want? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just watching. I'm, I'm learning. And, and when, I, when you say that, all of a sudden they get a pride, you know, and um, it's really cool. Cause I do learn. Um, it's like, especially I was watching last time, I think it was floor tile that I was putting down some shrimp tile, but he, he was cutting tile. I can do it, but I can make a mess. So I'm like, yeah. let's watch this guy and see how he's doing. And um, he's like, yeah. And he's like giving me pointers. And like, it's, it's kind of cool. And he, now he's motivated. I'm motivated. I'm learning something. Now I can go home and do it myself. But um, you go the other way, it's it's doesn't, doesn't go well. Tradesman knows his trade. You don't. Let him go. Perfect. I love that. When I have, sometimes I have, there's things that I can't do, Tim. I know my limitations. I've tried to do certain things like, even just running the ethernet that's powering my computer right now, that took me six months and I called electricians and I couldn't get anybody at the time. Nobody, it was like the job was too small. So I had to like do it myself and it involved a camera almost breaking into a bathtub. I mean, there are lots of things happened to get that wire to run in between walls. But when I do have contractors over, I often think at first, I never tell them that I'm a contractor because I don't, I don't want it to get weird. And <laughs> especially as like it's already bad enough like because my last name is engineer so like they already make a bunch of assumptions about you know who is this guy with his last name engineer i'll admit to being an electrical engineer because that's what i studied and i might say that because i just want to put people at ease like i don't want to create additional pressure when they're trying to do something i like your approach though being just curious and saying oh i want to learn i don't know how to do this like i, I saw a guy uh putting fence posts in we had some fences blow over and some high wind and we got that done. And it was just like, they do things that I never would have thought like just the ingenuity creativity. Like you said, they know their craft when you do it day in and day out, you get really good at it. So I think that's super cool. I, I want to do go back to, you know, you're building that culture. How do you mentor people on your staff to do the same thing? Like what's your, do you do it like just by them hanging out with you or do you, do you intentionally say like, I want to talk about this with you or do you share stories? What's your go-to way to, to do that? You mean about to my PMs? I, yes. I tell them, um, you know what? Um, if you're a project manager and you sit at your desk all the time, you're probably not that good. And you should spend time on the site. But I tell them, when you spend time on the site, go by yourself. Go put your hard hat on, shoes on, and just walk around. Don't walk with other people because they're going to show you stuff that they want to show you. Just walk around and walk around regularly. Um, perhaps um, even do the same route so you see the progress of something regularly. So when you know how to do it, but you know what's going on on your site. Um, that's just huge. It makes you stronger. And I think some of my project managers, you know, they, some of them were tradespersons. Some of them have no experience in construction. Um, some of them are architects that have never been in the field. Um, and that makes them weak. Um, and to get, to get rid of that weakness, spend time in the field, see what's going on. And again, it's the same thing over and over again. If you're building labs, or renovating labs in our in our school, it's the same thing over and over again. See it, see it, see it, see it, and next thing you know, you're strong and you're smart. You know what's going on, and that, that's just huge. And I've been on projects where project managers have been in the, in front of the computer all the time, and I've been in a situation where those PMs, when something blows up, it blows up bad because they don't know what's going on and they can't defend the owner because they they're not on the site. They're not strong. Yeah, that is killer good advice tim I, I could not i can't add anything to that that's perfect i must let that uh let's let people marinate in that 
this is the time in the show where you want to hit that rewind, 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 and listen to Tim say that again. And, and I would say if you're a general contractor or tradesperson or you're managing crews or leading people, do the same thing. Go walk the job yourself by yourself and understand the flow of the job and how things are going together. It's going to make you so much stronger. Completely agreed, Tim. It's one of the first things that I do when I go visit project teams. I often will say, let's, let's go walk. And I don't let them take me on the path, the path, you know, the, the, the prefix path. I'm like, let's go this way. And I'll, and they'll have to hear why we can't go that way or what we do. And I'll still look, nothing's going to stop me from seeing what's going on. Exactly. That's so cool. Now you've got uh, something that a lot of people don't understand, Tim, especially on, on big complex jobs. And I'm saying, let me just disclaimer out there. I would consider for most of the United States, a job is big over 10 million. Now I know we've got like the ENR 100 companies where they don't consider jobs large until they're at the $500 million mark. But for the everyday person listening to the show who's on projects of various different sizes, there's risk involved in what we do. And so I'd, I'd love to hear from an owner's perspective, Tim, you know, piggybacking on walking your job to understand how it's going together. How do you like make risks known to the team? And then what do you do to navigate the challenges associated with those risks? So uh, I think you're asking if, if something's going to go bad, and I know it's coming. Um, I guess a couple of things. On the owner side, it's really important to be fair. Um, here's, let, me, let me back up. I think um, it's important for the owner, the PMs on the owner side, to understand that the contractor, the designer, the reason why they're here, because they, they want to make money. That's why they're here. Um, you know, they might enjoy the job. You might, they might be friends with you. You might not be, but whatever it is. But the reason why they're here is to make money. So when, when you have a problem and it blows up, you got to be fair. Um, if, if the contract says, you know what, I can really stick it to this contract because the contractor, because it says it in the contract. Okay. But is it fair? Um, you know, is it going to put them out of business? Um, is it, is it, um, is it kind of 50, 50 is, or now it's 49, 51, just be fair and they'll respect you. Uh, by you respecting them and go from there. I, it, it, there's, a, there's a story that I, um, th there's a project just that was just recent where there was some, uh, a stair system that was re redesigned and the, the subcontractor couldn't do it. So he pulled out. So now what does that mean? You know, the same risk, he's stuck with it. He's got to find somebody else, not my problem. Um, but his contingency is almost gone. And his, his CMI risk, GMP, GMP contingency is almost gone. So what do we do? Got to be fair, you know. Um, we redesigned it. We put him in a situation. Um, could he have managed it better? Maybe, but we could have been a better owner too. We probably shouldn't have changed the design as drastic as we did. So we're working that out. So again, you, you just gotta work as a team. Be fair. Understand why everybody's here. We're here because we want a product. We want we want value. You're here as a contractor because you're here to make money. You're you're a designer. You're here because you want to make money. You want portfolio pictures too but that kind of stuff but you're <laughs> here you want that's it and you just, once you understand that it's a respect thing you know and you go from there Tim you're like my owner hero now because you said uh and he didn't even hesitate people if you're listening to the show a second time I'm gonna listen to this one like, like five times Tim it's like it's okay to make profit did you hear that contractors the owner is telling you it's okay to make profit so let me, let me let me back up on that. So if, if you think I'm being a good guy there, I'm the bad guy in this one. So here in Massachusetts, and I'll, I, I'll be um, 
blunt again, the CMA risks, you know, you, you submit your proposal and it's 2% fee. And we know your fee is not 2%. It's probably <laughs> it's if you if you if if you were making two percent, you wouldn't do construction. You put your money in anywhere else, you'd make more than two percent. You put it in a savings account in the bank and you're making almost that doing nothing. So we know that's not the case. Um, but I don't know why. I do know why. Um, but we want you to be honest with us too. So what, um, we have all these processes so we can kind of dig into how much you're making to make sure that I use this word hose. I hate getting hosed. I want to make sure that we're not getting hosed, but I, so the, but the reverse is true. So I know that you need to make five, six, 7%. Just say it, but contractors don't, they say two, and then they stick the money other places that, and they kind of hide it thinking they're getting away with it, but they're not, they're just being dishonest, be honest. And I, I, how do we fix that? Like in Massachusetts, I don't, it's been a struggle for several years um, and we've got, you know, we can audit and we've got some other tools that we can use that we do use. But I, I think it's the same thing as a, as a contractor respecting your, your owner. I would appreciate it if you say, hey, hey, Tim, you know what? We're making 6%, but you know what? Uh, if you look at our indirect costs, you know, our general liability, we had we, we had 2% there before, but we, it's actually only 1.5 or a subguard. You know, um, you know, subguard is, I'm not sure how, if it's all over the country, but here we use subguard instead of a bond. And subguard is basically a bond that's supplied by the contractor. It's a, it's a profit center. So, you know, instead of, you know, 1.5%, uh, we're gonna tell you it's 0.5 or 0.75, cause that's the break even. But the, the, the balance of that, it's in our fee that we're telling you is five or 6%. I don't know why contractors can't just do that. Um, it'd be so nice. So the respect goes both ways. It does. And, and people listening, I mean, Tim just absolutely just, uh, he went into your closet and looked right into your, your underwear drawer and he can see everything. So well, the thing I've been doing this for a long time and I've been on the contractor side. And so I, I know these things and uh, I think a lot of owners don't. So when they say, when you say to that contractor, I'm going to give you 2%, they go, Whoa, we're doing it. or when things are really poor, contractors will come in and, and they say, you know what? I just need the cash flow to keep my workers busy. I'm not going to charge you any fee. It's zero. It can't be zero. Right? So we know that. So don't say it. You just, you just tell us the truth. That's all. It's the same when the automakers, you know, sell you a car at zero percent interest financing, but magically they can't move on the price. It's like because yeah. the price of the financing is in the price of this car. Exactly. Yeah. You got to use their financing because they're, they're making money from the financing too. You know, there's Volkswagen or, or GM. You got to use our financing. Why? Because we're making money from it. So. Exactly. I love that, Tim. You're just being. I will go back and say, tell you one more time, Tim, such a savvy owner. <laughs> so savvy. This is uh this has been a great episode, Tim, but unfortunately we're out of time because you're just too good sharing these stories. And okay. I want to, I want to let you, you know, leave the audience with something that, I mean, you've been in the business for quite a long time and you're, you're making a great living there. What's something that makes you joyful about the job that you do and, Maybe people listening out there that are thinking about joining construction or staying in construction or leaving construction. Like, yeah, tell me why, why do you stay in construction, Tim? Um, I stay here um, because I enjoy my job and I enjoy my job because I enjoy my family. Um, and I enjoy my family because I have time to enjoy my family. Um, it's really important. You know, as you get older, you, I think when you're younger, you get motivated by money. You know, somebody offers you a big salary, you take it, and then you realize you probably shouldn't have. You give that offer you can't refuse, and you should have refused. Enjoy your life. Um, enjoy your job. 
make sure you know the, they come together. Um, and as you get older, you appreciate life more, and you, you you end up working harder because you're not miserable. Let me tell you a quick story because I got time. I think is um, one of the things I I, I had a job, and um, it's really funny. I hated my job so much. I should probably be positive, but I hated my job so much that when I had time to go to bed, I didn't want to go to bed because as soon as you fall asleep, you wake up and you got to go to work. And the perception in my head was if I stay awake later, there's more time between now and when I got to go to work because I hated my job that much. Enjoy your job um, and make sure your job allows you to live your life. You know, if you've got children or not, whatever you, whatever you enjoy in life, you got to do those things. Because you know, um, if you think you enjoy your job so much that you don't need to do those things, you're missing out in life. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.